On what the devil wants in your life, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. The devil doesn't want just a little deception in your life so you can have a little fun. He wants it all. And he will use what you give him as a toehold in your life. You know, as a believer, you start messing around down the road of sin, then what you're doing is you're kind of giving up your integrity to the devil. You're giving up your integrity to this culture. You're actually turning away from the way you were taught from the scriptures. This is amazing grace. This is It said, the greatest trick the devil has done is to convince people that he doesn't exist. But Jesus said he does exist. And he also said that the devil, along with his emissaries, want to rob you of life. So you must be alert to this danger. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Turn, if you would, to the Gospel of John chapter 10 as we continue in a series called With. Here now with today's lesson is Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles. Would you open them to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10, in this series we're calling With. And this in particular Bible study I've entitled, The Church Needs Shepherds and Not Hirelings. You know, Jesus entered into the first century culture that was filled with competing voices. There was a lot of people saying a lot of things and expressing a lot of opinions. Of course, there was the voice of paganism and materialism. There were the voices of selfishness and pride. There were the voices even religiously. There were loud voices that are highlighted in the Bible that centered on the religion, on Judaism, and the worship of the one true God. It was unfortunate because the religion of Judaism was hijacked by a group of Pharisees and Sadducees and lawyers that we have commonly referred to as the religious rulers. And they had so misrepresented God by the time Jesus comes on the scene. Remember, Jesus is God in human flesh. And he's come to set the record straight, to, to declare repentance and require it, and to invite people into relationship with him. So his voice is louder than paganism, and his voice is clearer than materialism, even as it is today. So here we are separated by all of these years, but our culture's filled with voices. You know, the only difference I would say is that the delivery mechanism of the voices today is a lot easier and, and a lot more prevalent, and it's in your back pocket, and it's not just, you know, they didn't have television, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have phone, cell phones. They had different means of communication, and can you imagine the way that voices come through today? through YouTube and through radio and television, the internet, cable, and all kinds of things. But it's not unlike the first century that people have hijacked that true worship of God even today. You know, to the religious rulers of the day, Jesus said this, jot it down in Matthew 23, verse 15. One of the things he said to them was, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, 
you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Because their motive was to have people follow them and not God. And they did all this in the name of God. They were taking advantage of the people, laying heavy burdens on them, drawing many after themselves. Remember back in chapter 9 of John's gospel, it says in verse 40 that some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Chapter 10 is a part of the answer to these Pharisees asking if they're blind. He's talking to some of the religious rulers right now. And he says in verse 3, as he's talking about the shepherd of the sheep, he says, to him the doorkeeper opens, this is John chapter 10 now, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So in all the competing voices of then and now, how is it that we understand the voice of God? Well, we understand the voice of God by tuning our ears to the shepherd, that we know his voice and we hear it and he follows us as he calls us to himself. And when he brings us out, verse four, it says that we follow him and we stay close to him. See, not only can we recognize the voice of our shepherd, but we also know our shepherd goes before us and he leads us. I mean, if you really wanna know the voice of the shepherd, you need to read the Bible. The Bible represents the voice of God. And if you want to hear the voice of the shepherd out loud, read your Bible out loud. And you will hear the very words of God right there in your room, right there where you're reading it. The voice of God trains us, uh, the reading of the Bible trains us to understand the voice of God. Now I know in this section of the shepherd and the sheep, a sheep hear the shepherd's voice, it's many times referred to to like a local church or a local pastor where you might be listening to the radio, Grace FM, and you go, you know, I really like this pastor's teachings more than this pastor's teachings. And then you might say, well, that makes sense because sheep hear the shepherd's voice. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is teaching that the shepherd has one voice And you're either speaking with that voice or you're not speaking with that voice. But he's not talking about a local pastor. So I'm not your shepherd. Jesus Christ is your shepherd. And you want to train your ears to hear his voice, not my voice. It's not what I say that matters. It's what I say that matches to the shepherd's voice that matters. And I don't want you to follow me in that sense. I don't want to turn you into a disciple of me. I want to teach you how to hear the shepherd's voice. I want to teach you like, like you and I would know the word of God so well that if Ed does say something, you go, I don't know, that doesn't quite sound like the shepherd. Then you would compare what I say with what the Bible says and you would be able to say, yes, yes, that's exactly, that sounds like God. So many times that gift of discernment comes to me when I'm listening to someone, I'm like, you know, that doesn't quite sound like God. You go, well, how do you know what God sounds like? How do you know how God acts? from his word. You know, when I'm studying the gospels, when I'm sensing in my life a need to get reoriented, I like going back to the gospels. No matter where I'm reading in my daily reading, I like to go back to the gospels because the gospels remind me not only of the teachings of Jesus, but how he did things. 
Like you can actually watch his life and how he chose to deal with this situation, how he chose to deal with that situation, how he chose not to deal with that situation, how instead of pressing in, you know, sometimes you think always pressing in, pressing in. Do you know there were times where Jesus pulled back? He said, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with these people. I'm not getting involved in this. And there was that one point in his ministry where the Bible says that Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew all people. And there was that time where you go, no, I just need to back out. I'm not going to jump into this. They might have a problem, but their problem is not going to be my problem. Where did I learn that? From Jesus. There were times when he did that. And I, I want to hear his voice. And I want to follow his lead. Sheep, we don't know the voice of strangers, even though the voice of strangers is always coming at us. I mean, I'm getting emails all the time. I get this email, when is this, and what about this, and this YouTube link, and this Facebook thing, and all this stuff, voice, voice, voice. It's not like you don't hear it, it's that you don't receive it. Like, I can't tell you how many times, and, and, and I, I hope it doesn't come off rude, because I'm not being rude, but someone will send me a link, and can you listen to this 60-minute message and tell me what you think? And my answer is no. I can't. I don't have time to listen to all these messages. That's why I don't choose to listen to them in the beginning. I don't want to. So basically I'll say, what was it in there that they said that I can tell you what I think about what they said? And then usually it'll be some question. I'm like, well, here, here's what the Bible says. I don't need to spend 60 minutes to figure out this is what the Bible says on what you have a concern about. And so it's not like you don't hear the voice of strangers, but you've got to understand the voice of strangers are going to come. And, and when he says strangers, it's like people leading you away from truth in the name of God somehow. Like uh, we come from God, but we're not going to lead you to the shepherd. We're going to lead you to our own little deal, our own little theory, our own little opinion. Jesus says we don't know the voice of strangers. It's like we're, we don't receive it. It's not like we can't hear it. We just don't receive it. And a lot of things you don't have to hear at all. You don't have to click that YouTube video. You don't have to listen to that study that someone sent you uh, because it stumbled them. It doesn't have to stumble you. Just like, hey, I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm going to keep serving him. Uh, I don't have time to watch this because I'm going down to the hospital and I'm going to go pray for the nurse. Like you, you can be so caught up in following the shepherd's voice that you don't have to listen to the voice of strangers and you don't have to receive them. So with that in mind, we kind of covered a lot of that last time, but with that in mind, let's pick up where we left off in verse seven of John chapter 10, where it says, Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. We learned last time that the sheepfold was a round enclosure, about six feet high, and the door was just an opening where the owner of the sheepfold would lay in front of it. And none of the sheep or anyone could get in and out. Now, people could climb the fence. They could cause a ruckus. They could come the wrong way. But those would not be representative of the shepherd. Those are thieves and liars and robbers, like Jesus says. And Jesus says that in the opening of this sheepfold, he literally is the door. The only way to come into this sheepfold is through Jesus Christ. There are not two ways or three ways. There are not five right ways. There's only one way, and it's through him. But when you think of this from the perspective of a shepherd and a sheep, like the shepherd literally being the door, it speaks of the protection and the care of the shepherd. 
Like with the shepherd being at the door, the, the shepherd taking care of my life, that means at the door he's protect, He's there close enough to protect me. He's watching out for me. He's guarding me. He's defending us. So not only does he lead us and call us and take care of us and communicate with us, when we are at a time of needing rest, what does he do? He is the door. And we can sleep well at night because he's going to take care of us when we're awake. He's going to take care of us when we're asleep and resting. And then he says, of course, to some of the religious rulers, he says, everybody that came before me were a bunch of robbers. They're not the door. They say they're the door, but they're not the door. They say their religion is the way to go, but it's not the way. I'm the door. I'm the door. And everyone that came before are not doors. And there were many then and many today saying that they're the way, the truth, and the life. It's amazing. Many declaring that they're the ones, that they're, they're Messiah. Men and women who choose to draw others after themselves. Now, they may, not, they may not go so far to declare that they're the way to salvation. But let me tell you something. Over the years, we have met many, many people that have tried to come into this fellowship family and pick people off. And unfortunately, sometimes they're successful drawing people after themselves. And why do they come to a church? Because a church is filled with genuine, sincere men and women that want to worship God. And so they come in, Jesus described them as what? Wolves in sheep's clothing. It doesn't take long to learn the Christian lingo. There's not too many words. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Amen. You even learned one in the last song. Sing a hallelujah. We can sing all, we can use all the Christian lingo. Look at that big Bible you have. You must be a great Christian. And look at the cross that you, there's a lot that you could do outwardly that could mask the ravenous wolf-like qualities. Because wolves around sheep, they're not friends. Wolves do one thing with sheep. Eat them. And that's it. They wreak havoc in sheep's lives. And we've had many, many, it's one of the shepherd's responsibility is to protect this flock from wolves. And it's never easy and it's never fun, but it's always necessary. And Jesus says these thieves and robbers, they still come around. I remember, you can jot it down in Acts chapter 20. I remember when Paul is last time speaking to the, church, the elders in Ephesus, he says, I know on my departure, people are going to come in and try to destroy you. And he said even this, the sad part is, even from among yourselves, men will rise up. And it happens. And it's true. But the good news about a strong, healthy church is that a healthy church purges out, purges out its own poisons. Like it keeps, a healthy church keeps the church healthy and purges out where it is obvious to many that that guy isn't right. Something's up with him. She isn't quite she isn't walking around with the mind of Christ. And a healthy, mature believer will go and speak to that person. It's not just the pastors, but a healthy church takes care. Sheep take care of sheep. And the shepherds take care of the sheep and oversee them. Thieves and robbers, they still come around today. They use sheep talk to get in close, trying to gain favor. But what they really want is control and prominence. Turn over with me, would you, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's going to be to the right, 2 Timothy chapter 3. When you get there, go to verse 6 with me. As Paul is describing to young Timothy, this pastor, to watch out. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 6. He says in the last days, pick up actually in verse 1. Let's look at verse 1 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but know this, 
that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households, making captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then he names a couple guys, Jans and Jambres, going back to Moses. In the New Living Translation, it speaks of taking advantage of the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with guilt of sin and controlled by many desires. Now the emphasis here is not on the issue of women. The emphasis here is in the, con- the guilt and concern of sin when it comes that it's unconfessed and puts people in a vulnerable place. The gullibility or the vulnerability that people have that don't know the truth that are taking advantage of these types of people in the last days. These type of people worm their way into houses of the unsuspecting and they get in by trickery and by stealth and by false pretenses. And they bring confusion and false doctrine. Always learning, but always studying, always talking about, but never teaching the truth. And they never really come to know the truth and lead people in their error as well. Thieves and robbers, they exist today. You see the contrast between a real shepherd that will point you to the ways of the Lord and not themselves. Notice in verse 10 now, he gets a little bit focused. He says, the thief. The thief does not come except to, and here are three things that the thief always does. And really there's a twofold application here. The thief is referring to anyone but the shepherd, anyone that comes in the wrong way, anyone that doesn't, isn't the door. But the thief, when you use that word, the thief, is, I believe, a reference to the devil himself and everyone that cooperates with the diabolical schemes of the devil. The devil only has these goals in mind. Number one, it says the thief doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So you could say that the devil, his motive is to take from you. To take from you that which was not his. That's why he has to climb over the wall. That's why he has to be stealth. That's why he has to be deceptive. That's why he doesn't come mess, even mess with the door. Because he knows that if he messed with the door, Jesus would shut it down. So he comes around the back way. And he's, so in contrast, Jesus says in verse 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So wolves, robbers, thieves, their motives are to destroy. They want to rip you off. They bring destruction into your life and ultimately just want to kill you. And I believe the ultimate goal of the devil is to end your physical life. To get you to a place where you're so hopeless, so out of control, that your life ends and no longer can fulfill the purposes for which God put you on the earth. However, the devil will take anything you give him. His goal is to ultimately destroy you, but he'll take anything you give him. 
anything. He'll take anything you offer. Which is why it is never a good idea to negotiate with the devil. Another way of putting it, it is never a good idea to live in any form of compromise spiritually, ever. Even in the name of freedom. Even in the name of, but I'm free in Christ. Okay, so you're free in Christ. But it still doesn't mean it's wise to play the game, to live life on the devil's terms. And I know this isn't very popular. I I don't get a lot of positive email on this stance. And I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm telling you from personal experience. It is never a good idea to take the first drink of alcohol. Never. Never a good idea. There isn't one instance you could tell me it would be a good idea in the culture in which we live to take the first drink. Neither is it a good idea to take the first hit of that marijuana cigarette. Never. It's never a good idea. But, but Ed, but Ed, it's legal and I'm free in Christ. All things are lawful for me. Yeah, and it's amazing what compromise only takes half the verse. All things are lawful for me, but not all things build me up. It's never wise to take that first bite of the brownie and however they're delivering drugs these days. It's never a good idea to take that line of coke. It's never a good idea. I mean, even to, to start to be deceptive with your parents. It's like, well, I'm going to go to a party, but I'm actually going to tell my parents I'm going to be over here. It's never a good idea. Because the devil doesn't want just a little deception in your life so you can have a little fun. He wants it all. And he will use what you give him as a toehold in your life. You know, as a believer, you start messing around down the road of sin, then what you're doing is you're kind of giving up your integrity to the devil. You're giving up your integrity to this culture. You're actually turning away from the way you were taught from the scriptures to live a life of sobriety and cleanliness. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, why do you just pick those two things? I mean, it's a lot of there. It's never a good idea to put that thing in your pocket at the store instead of, instead of paying for it. It's never a good idea to lie. It's never a good idea not to tell the truth and to hold. It's never a good idea because the devil didn't come just to take a little bit of your life. And the devil didn't come just to take a portion of your life. And the devil doesn't come just to take a part of your life. He wants it all. I mean, take it from someone in my own personal experience. The first drink of alcohol I ever took was after my sixth grade graduation. I'm just a kid. And between sixth grade and seventh grade, somebody's dad left a can of beer in the refrigerator. And three of us shared that. Three of us, three sixth graders, now we're big adults going into seventh grade, we shared that can of alcohol. I don't know what happened to the two other guys, but I'll tell you what happened to the third guy. It absolutely wrecked his life until he was 22 years old. And don't think for a moment by the time that guy turned 22 that it was just one can shared with three people. It was a progressive thing because I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't have any idea. Not only that, but I, was, I took that drink of alcohol against the way I was raised. I was raised to stay away from that stuff. The example of my parents was to stay away from that stuff. And you go, but Ed, there's so much freedom. I I, I realize that. I exercise freedom too. But I also have to remember that my life speaks to other people. And what kind of message do I want to send? Compromise with sin or with so-called liberties is never a good idea. It will only serve to rob you of your freedom and taint your testimony. 
With that, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor to a close. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had the chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word, and you can download it for free today by searching for Calvary Aurora. And also find us on Apple Podcasts. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord for provision. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed Taylor's new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. This is a must-read for anyone who has a heavy heart or is greatly discouraged. It's a collection of truthful reminders of God's help for your troubled heart. While we all share stories of pain, if we're not careful, we find ourselves refusing to accept and receive the healing Jesus readily gives. Join Pastor Ed as he steps into our pain and shows us how to live a life full of faith even as we go through painful trials. To order a copy today, call 877-30-GRACE. We ask for a donation of $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.